Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Hello, welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, construction adjudicator, lawyer, and director of Tricks of Your Trade. Today on my podcast, I'm going to give you uh, 10 signs on how to tell if your builder might be going broke. So I need to preface this podcast with any one of these signs might not necessarily mean that your builder is going broke. This is really a guide for if multiple of these signs are happening to you at any given time, or you can join the dots and do your due diligence and discover that quite a few of these issues are taking place, then you need to be looking into what steps you might be able to take to become a secured creditor for your builder. Uh, So this is really just a guide. I can't say that if your builder is doing one or two of these things that they are definitely going broke, but these are the things that you should be keeping an eye out for. And all of these things are free for you to find out. So Uh, They're not things that you need to go and spend money with a lawyer. These are things that you can do yourself by Google or if you want to drop me an email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au, I can send you a couple of links uh, to some resources that are free, that are on the internet, that you can look into yourself. So the first of all, and this is something that you will have noticed straight away, is that your builder starts short paying you, drip feeding your payments, or something starts happening with your payments. So normally you might have had routine payments coming in after you put your payment claim in and hiccups happen with getting paid. So that's one of the first signs that you might discover that your builder's struggling financially. But here's the thing, builders will often try to mask or disguise what's really going on in their house. And if their house is on fire really badly, usually the drip feeding of payments might be one of the last things that you see. So while it's the most obvious, it might not actually um, be one of the first things that you could you could discover or identify to protect yourself in that situation. So when you're getting drip fed payments, the second thing, the real indicator that there is a real problem with the, the builder's financials is that if you suspend work and you're one of those trades that is required to be on site to move the program along, i.e. it's not the case that they just simply don't need you back yet, Uh, then if you suspend work and they still can't pay you, you know that there is a serious issue there, that the money just doesn't exist in the bank account at that point in time and the builder is in the process of trying to kick down doors to bring in cash flow. So usually what happens in that instance where you suspend work and the builder, when they finally get the payments come in, uh, they will pay the subbies that they need on site first. So you need to be keeping an eye on who else is suspending work on site, so who else is not being paid. And it could well be the case that some of these subcontractors just don't simply know how to suspend work lawfully or uh, they don't have the assistance in-house to be able to manage their contract in a way that's helping them. Uh, They also might have different payment terms. So it could well be the case that they got paid for unfixed goods or equipment or they got some kind of deposit. They're not actually due some money yet. So don't assume that uh, because there are subbies working on site that they have been paid because it might well be the case that they just simply haven't done enough work yet because they haven't got a clean run at the job or something like that 
to accrue enough to be paid a decent amount to suspend work. So uh, the other factor there is some subbies won't suspend work because they have relationships with the staff in the building company. And those are some of the things that you need to be keeping an eye on as well. So if you've got, um, this is technically number 11 on my list because I didn't have this on my list initially, but if you or somebody you know has a relationship with people inside the building company, say, for example, the director of the building company is a family member and there's three or four other family members in that same building company who are pivotal or instrumental in terms of the way the, build, the business is run, and suddenly those people start disconnecting from you. So if you have relationships with people in the building company and they disconnect with you, that is an indication that something is going wrong. And that's actually a really big indication, particularly if you've got one family member who runs the show and the other family members are in the firing line if things go wrong or they're going to have some kind of collateral fallout uh, because they were affiliated with this building company. Sometimes you'll see relationships break down amongst the family within the building company. So say, for example, a, a, an aunt or a sister of the director of the company is doing the accounts and you normally call that person when things go wrong and suddenly that person stops communicating with you and all communication gets put through one very sterile uh, mechanism for communications. You know that there's serious problems because multiple people are calling and they need to streamline their communication processes and get those people out of the firing line. So um, if you're being drip-fed payments, don't assume that the other subbies are being paid as well if they're still on site. They just might not be suspending work. Uh, you need to be suspending work so that you don't put too much more uh, work in progress into the job that you may never get paid for. And if the other subbies are not suspending work, have a chat with them. Just talk to them and say, have you guys been paid? Because we haven't been paid and we were just wondering if you've been paid and see what they say. So... Um, when you suspend work, they can't pay you right away. That is number two. So number three is when you have mass exodus of staff. And this also ties in with the family members exiting the building as well. But if there's a mass exodus of staff suddenly and jobs are not completing. So if a builder has got um, projects that are coming to completion and there's no more work on the books or there's the economy in the industry generally is sort of coming becoming a little bit dry, then it's it's reasonable that staff might move on to other bigger, better projects, particularly in instances like where we've got Queen's Wharf happening and Cross River Rail and things like that, where staff might move for better prospects. But you guys will know in your heart what's going on because if things start going south and you see those staff members start to get stressed out and worried and you can tell that they're behaving in ways that they normally wouldn't behave because you know that they're good people, they're just in a horrible situation, usually you'll see staff members of building companies whose values just do not align with being that person who is short paying subbies, uh, having to do whatever they can to try to keep the builder's camp afloat. They will leave and they'll probably leave early. And then you'll see the loyal staff who will hang on and try to be noble and go down with the sinking ship because they've got some, some kind of loyalty tie to the director or some kind of hero complex. And Sometimes you'll see people with legal training or contract backgrounds um, who will stay to try to help the builder combat claims from subbies. And this is where you'll see them try to triage who, who they can short pay. Um, and guys, I want to be upfront and say, look, this is nothing personal when this happens. Normally, this is just a decision tree for somebody who's got a lot of debts to pay and they need to work out who they're going to pay first. And if you're the squeakiest wheel and you're causing them the most pain uh, or you're the most likely to 
harpoon the sinking ship and bring it down for everyone, then you're going to be elevated to the top of the list of people to pay or to fight in court. So bear in mind that uh, when these things happen, the people in the building companies have a decision tree. They are trying to keep their, their ship afloat. And guys, it's a whole other podcast about why they should be keeping that ship afloat and whether they should be keeping it afloat at all. Um, but in this instance, I just want you to be aware that um, when staff of building companies move on, you need to be keeping an eye on if there's if, if there's a revolving door on a project, you guys know all too well the continuity issues on site, buildability issues crop up. You had people directing you to do variations who were four or five project managers before this particular person or the person that you cut the deal with with the contract is no longer there. So these are the issues that you will start to see and you'll have the creaks of groans from an operational perspective, but you need to take a step back and do the helicopter view and go, whoa, hang on a second, how many staff have left this building company? So um, the other thing is mass redundancies. Sometimes builders do that strategically to get out bad culture or because there's an opportunity in the market for them to get a get rid of people who were very highly paid for the role they were doing and get more enthusiastic um, people with the same skills and experience for a much lower lower salary. So we did see that happen at the start of COVID. We, there were some builders who laid off 200 staff and completely just walked everyone out and brought in a fresh group of very happy people who had just negotiated very good salaries. Um, but they had got rid of people who were potentially stale and not performing in their roles. So mass exodus of staff, you need to take the helicopter view and go, look, is this something that I can logic out or is this a real problem? And you guys will know in your heart what it is. Uh, next indication that your builder might be having financial uh, difficulties is when there's multiple adjudications or there's mass um, disputes with other subbies and they end up being adjudications. And these will often crop up. You can um, search these in some states online. So you can search adjudications adjudication decisions online. Uh, the other thing you can do is if adjudication decisions are being reviewed, you can search the court website to see um, what those cases are and who they're with. So that's something that you guys can do yourself. But adjudications can be a really difficult thing because they require people to pay a lot of money really quickly to be able to participate in the process. So if the builder has got five or 10 adjudications on the go, you know that for every single one, there's going to be twenty dollars to $50,000 in legal fees at least for every single adjudication that they have to participate in, unless they've got in-house lawyers, um, in which case it might be less for them. But even so, if they're having multiple adjudications, it means multiple people are not being paid and they're having to take debt recovery action. So you want to be having a look to see... Um, relatively regularly what's going on uh, on the adjudication register and you can do that yourself. Sudden onslaught of court proceedings is another indication. So this is something, again, you can check online. Uh, and what will happen is there can be issues like there might be a personal injury claim. There might be a claim between the builder and their client. And suddenly you'll start to see court proceedings crop up on the court listings and you go, wow, something's going on between this builder and their client or something's going on between this builder and some party we don't know. I wonder where that came from. And you need to be able to look at this from a broad brush perspective and go, well, how many court proceedings are on foot? I mean, you don't have to be an expert or a lawyer to know that being in court's expensive. And if suddenly in the past two years, your builders had 20 court proceedings or more, 
you know that for every single one, it's going to be a minimum of $25,000 just for them to get there uh, in the first instance or to be defending it in the first instance. And it could be as much as one hundred fifty dollars to $200,000 in legal fees, depending on whether it goes to trial. So um, in some instances, you can look up and see how many days a trial has been listed for on the court website. So you can get a good indication of how big this stash is and how much it's likely to cost your builder. And you don't even really need to know much more than that, other than to know these people are in court with multiple people, there are headaches, and it is going to be expensive for them. That cost on their bottom line alone is going to make a significant difference to the solvency of the building company itself. So keep an eye on that, and particularly if they're debt recovery proceedings. Uh, and if you see anything that looks like a winding up proceeding, they'll call it a winding up proceeding on the website. Um, then you know that somebody has not been paid and there's been an act of insolvency and then somebody's applied to the court to actually have that company wound up. And you'll usually see builders vigorously defend those proceedings unless unless they've gone, unless they don't care anymore, um, they'll, they'll vigorously defend those proceedings. So the other thing you want to keep an eye out for on the market, and this is something we saw probably five to 10 years ago when we saw a lot of building companies go through a bit of a pinch point with the economy, with the construction industry economy, uh, is that they might start selling fleet like en masse. And if it's the case that all of that fleet is up to its five-year warranty period and they're just replacing their fleet, that's one thing. But if you see that in conjunction with mass redundancies or um, mass exodus of staff and other plant and equipment being sold as well, so cranes, scaffold, things that the builder would need if the builder was still going to be building. And there are times when builders might downscale or say, well, look, we're not going to work in this area anymore. We're going to go and work in a different area entirely or we're moving out of Queensland or we're moving out of New South Wales. We're just going to work in Western Australia now. That's different. And potentially you might have other information available to you that that is the reason behind all of the sale of the plant and equipment. So as I said at the start, if this just one thing happens, please don't think, oh my goodness, my builder's selling all of their cars They might be going out of business. Hang on a second, take a step back. Are you being short paid? Is there a mass exodus of staff? Have we got issues with court proceedings? Are there debt recovery um, action taking place in adjudication that we can see signs of online? So um, look at these things in conjunction with all of the other things that are going on as well. Now, one thing you can do, which takes a little bit more of a, sort of a private investigator type, type approach to this, but you can keep an eye on the ASIC record for uh, things that you build or forms that your builder might be filing online. And sometimes these things happen normally. So say, for example, um, it's a mum and dad building company and their sons are going to take over the building company or their daughters are going to take over the building company because they're retiring. And so they're moving into that retirement age and they appoint their sibling, uh, their children as directors of their building company and they remove themselves as directors and they remain shareholders or something like that. That type of thing may not be too sinister. But if you have a building company that's owned by multiple faceless people who are not related to each other and you suddenly see them all start to remove themselves over a period of time, that can give you an indication that something's going on. It could just well be that those people are selling out of the um, business and they're no longer going to be involved, but it also can be an indication that they are removing themselves from the firing line of liability uh, with licensing or with the ongoing liability of defects, or they don't want to be affiliated with a company that's going to be put into liquidation. So have a look for major changes in ownership and people being removed. 
but there are also forms that will be filed uh, on ASIC for uh, things like if an administrator is appointed and things like that. If that happens, you're going to find out pretty quickly in the media. So um, you can keep an eye out for things like that, but you won't have much time if something like that is filed to take action. And in fact, if an administrator is appointed, it could well be that it's too late for you to do much at all at that point in time. So the other good thing about ASIC is that you might want to have a look and see what financial reports the builder is publishing on ASIC. So um, some builders publish their financial reports on ASIC and that's because they've got shareholders that they're reporting to and they're public and transparent about what their earnings are. So when you see those uh, financial reports being published on ASIC, don't just send them to a garden variety accountant and say, can you tell me if this builder is solvent? Because what will happen is they will look and they'll go, oh, yes, the amount that the builder is going to be paid exceeds what the builder owes. Well, of course it does. That's why it was published on ASIC and that's why they still have a license and they look like on the face of things that they might be a solvent company trading along. But you don't need to be an accountant to have a look and think, let's logic this out. How much money have they got sitting aside for historical retentions? Because at least in the last 12 months, uh, if you have a look at what they've paid out under their, um, you know, expenses line item and think, well, a percentage of that needs to be subbies retention. So say for argument's sake, 1% of that is subbies retention. It should be more like two and a half at least, but it's probably in reality going to be a combination of 5% of current jobs that haven't yet reached practical completion and two and a half percent of jobs for 12 months prior. So when that report comes out, even if they don't have 1% or 2% of what they have paid out in their um, expenses for subcontractors and things like that, um, and they don't have that in the bank account, you've got to question, well, where are these retentions being held? And yes, in Queensland, some projects have project um, trust accounts and retention trust accounts. Uh, also in other states, sometimes there are retention trust accounts for projects over certain thresholds. But as a rule of thumb, a builder should have a decent kitty for retentions. And some of the reports that we've seen recently published have got less than $20,000 uh, for subbies retentions, which when you look back at how much uh, revenue that builder has turned over in that period prior, that's just a blatant admission that they're using the retentions to bankroll their business. So keep an eye out for things like that. Um, again, as I say, it might not just be an indication straight away that there's a problem. Usually what will happen is your trade credit insurer or it will come out when a financial report is public, published on ASIC if it's doomsday stuff. Usually the trade credit insurers will contact all the people who have got insurance over that builder and tell them they're pulling cover uh, and then you will likely catch wind on the grapevine that something is going on as well. But if you do get an ASIC search, there's a way that you can have ASIC uh, notify you if there is a form lodged for your builder. So keep an eye on that. There's ways that that can be happening. I think you have to use a service sort of like InfoTrack or something like that um, rather than just go direct to the ASIC website. But it's open to you to look for free to just go and have a look at what forms have been lodged and you can click on the little plus and it will drill down and tell you what the name of the form is. And sometimes it's financial reports, really good stuff to have a look at. So you want to look at this in conjunction with licensing as well. So on ASIC, when you're seeing um, directors change or people be removed and things like that, cross-reference this if you're in Queensland with 
who the nominee is for the building company. And if there's a sudden change in nominees or if there's a shuffle of directors and the, the nominee of the company was never really a pivotal person in the building company. So say, for example, all of the directors and owners of the company are all related to each other and the nominee is a random person that you've never heard of before. They might be somebody who's paid on the payroll to be a nominee for that particular purpose. And in the past, we've seen builders hire people from overseas who have qualifications who can become the nominee, who will be the nominee uh, for their license, who plan to leave the country after the builder goes into liquidation. And that is one way that builders will keep their license afloat. So if you want to have a look at the ASIC record and see who's removing themselves as an interested person in the business or the company, um, have also a look at the QBCC website and see what's going on there with the nominee. That might tell you a story. While you're on there, have a look and see whether they've got any demerit points or any other issues with their license. Um, if there are multiple money owed complaints that are unexplained, there could be disciplinary action taken, things like that. Um, so have a look at that. Now, the last indication that um, I want to talk about today, there are there are many, many indications, but these are the main one got ones that you can have a look at and and really just have a look at yourself and ascertain from a good Google search um, whether something might be going on. But the other issue uh, will be trade credit insurers will pull cover on a builder that they're concerned about because trade credit insurers have people who are paid to do all these searches all the time. So what you can do is you if you uh, don't have a trade credit insurance policy and you want to know whether that builder is still being covered, call a broker and ask them if you can get a policy over that builder and see what they say. And if you have got a trade credit insurance policy and you are worried about your builder, the builder hasn't necessarily done something or said something to you, but you're seeing all of these other things happen around the place that you're not necessarily 100% sure. Um, don't assume that just because your trade credit insurer hasn't told you yet uh, that they're pulling cover or that they're concerned about that particular builder that your builder isn't going broke because sometimes the trade credit insurers also don't know what's going on. So have a look at your trade credit insurance policy wording. There will be a requirement for you to notify your insurer if you come across information that you think um, or have good grounds to believe indicates the builder might be going broke or that there's a problem with you getting paid. So if you're consistently suspending work, um, getting payments drip fed, mass exodus of staff, that people are being moved around on ASIC, there's multiple court cases, things like that. If you need to have good information to be able to go back to your insurer with, and all you could do is you could just simply send them, send your broker an email and say, I've noticed A, B and C is happening and I'm just wondering if you have any information about whether or not this builder might be struggling and they can come back to you and let you know. And you can just say to them, look, at this point in time, I don't have any concrete evidence and nobody said anything to me. We're, we've still been paid. There's no um, aged receivables that we need to chase at this point in time. But we just wanted to know if you guys are hearing anything about this particular builder. And uh, that's quite important to do that, to communicate with your insurer, because you're paying for a very expensive policy that you need to rely on. So um, bear that in mind. So I hope that's helpful. I don't want to go for too much longer talking today, but I will put a list in the show notes of what these things are that you might be able to do. And as always, we do turn our podcast into blogs. So if you want to have something that you can print to keep a checklist next to your uh, computer that you might want to have a look at your customer's 
I do recommend you do these things at least every six months and uh, just have a bit of a look at who you are in bed with and who you're doing business with and make sure that you keep apprised of what's going on in their world. Things can change very quickly. And if there's one thing I know from experience, it's that the builder won't always tell their staff that there's a problem. In fact, oftentimes the builder will tell their staff at the last possible moment because of the mass exodus of staff and because the staffers are the ones who have the relationships with you. So what they will do is the builder will wait until the last possible moment just in case their staff tell their subbies there's a problem because once the cat's out of the bag, there's very likely to be um, a witch hunt. It's going to be harder for the builder to get subbies to work for them once word gets on the street that there could be an issue and um, it can be sort of a domino effect that might contribute to them or hinder them from even trading out of the problem so a whole other episode about why builders don't just fall on their sword. Um, I will follow up with another episode about that and what my thoughts are. But for today, hopefully, if you can take these 10 things away and implement them in your business, you hopefully can dodge a bullet. If you have any questions about what I've talked about on this podcast, feel free to drop me a good old-fashioned email at questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. If you would like a systematic approach to your contract administration and getting paid, head on over to our website and check out the Subbies Toolbox. You won't be disappointed there. And just one last time, our web address is www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au.